Hello, Fried fans, and welcome to Season 3 of Fried the Burnout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Donovan, and my mission with Fried is to hashtag end burnout culture. On this pod, we end burnout culture by sharing stories of people who have been through it all and lived to tell the tale, sharing expert tips from the best of the best in the burnout and stress management fields, and sharing hashtag straight from Kate episodes full of my own expertise plus actionable steps to help you end your own burnout cycle starting today. If you're feeling burnt out right now and need more personalized guidance, I'm here for you. In every episode, you'll find a link to book a free breakthrough burnout call. You can find it easily by heading to bit.ly forward slash call Kate or finding the link in the show notes. This free call helps us decide if one-on-one coaching is perfect for you. If it is, we'll get started. If it isn't, I might suggest one of my immediately available online courses, my book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor, or some sessions with a colleague who's better suited to exactly what you need right now. Also, if you happen to be in New York City, I'd love to see you as a patient. I'm a licensed acupuncturist with over 13 years of international experience, and right now my office is located in Midtown Manhattan. I focus on, you guessed it, burnout. I help your body build up a natural stress resilience to fight off all those pesky symptoms that come alongside burnout. You can find all the deets on that at katedonovanacupuncture.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fried the Burnout Podcast. Today... I am so excited because I am spending the hour with the burnout professor, Erica Cuny, who is a stress, anxiety, and trauma expert, ex-professor of human development, trauma, and relationships, licensed marriage and family therapist by trade, and fellow burnout survivor. With 14 plus years of clinical experience, she is currently a burnout recovery and prevention educator. She doesn't write the rest of this in her bio, but she also hosts an amazing clubhouse room. She also is a Reiki master. She also is a meditation guide. She also it it interdisciplinary mental health something. It's the mental health integrative medicine. (laughs) She does all the things, basically. (laughs) Which you all know, if you've been around Fried long enough, you know that I love. I love being able to move between the spiritual and the practical with ease and knowing that each of them is so valuable in different moments and for different reasons. So Erica, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. I was so pumped when you asked if I wanted to be on. I was like, yes, I made it. She wants me on. (laughs) I do. I do. I do. I was afraid that you'd say no, to be honest. Really? Of course. Because we all walk around with our own piles of insecurity. I have a 60 person wait list of people that are trying to get on the podcast. And I'm still nervous that people will say no when I ask somebody outside of that list, because there's a particular thing I want to talk about or a particular energy that I want to bring in. It's, you know, we're burnout professors. We're burnout (laughs) people. We're still human. We are. Yes. No, I am so honored and humbled that you asked me to be on your podcast. So thank you. I'm so, so grateful that you're here. So the the story starts with a Mack truck. Why don't you guide us through that? (laughs) Yeah, Um, that was my wake up call. So this is how I start. In 2014, I was a burnt out licensed therapist. I was driving to work and I got hit by a Mack dump truck, literally, and I survived to tell about it. And that's the beginning of my story. And, you know, I am blessed to be here. I, at the time, would I have said that that was the best thing that ever happened to me? Absolutely not. I was um, lucky that, you know, at the beginning of it, they were not sure if they were going to be able to save my foot because my foot was severely hurt. And um, that was a wake up call because I'm a dancer. That was how I really let go of my stress. And so, you know, it was a three month recovery period, had to learn how to walk all over again. And I can proudly say I can dance in heels now. And that was one of the most gratifying things when I got back on the dance floor and I had my heels on. I was like, yeah, no one can tell me, no, I'm going to do this. <laughs> um But a lot of other things happened over the next 12 to 14 months that are, I think, is important to the story because anyone that experiences burnout knows it's not just related to work. It affects every piece of your life. So um, over the next 14 months, I was fired from my job. I was a supervisor and, you know, it wasn't because I didn't do my job. I actually did really well at my job, you know, and what I 
didn't see were the signs that I didn't belong there. And so what I did was I tried to dumb down myself and I tried to push through things, even though I knew energetically and in my intuition, I didn't belong because my boss had said to me, Erica, you are extremely smart. You think extremely quick on your feet, but it's also intimidating to people. So you might want to think about how you come across. And when I heard that, knowing who I am now, <laughs> oh, I would have said, you know what, this may not be working out for the best of us. So I need yeah. to be able to be who I am. And that curls up my spine sideways. <laughs> you're a woman and you're too smart. You better dumb it down for people so that they feel safe and comfortable. How about no? Right. Like how about people start to elevate with us? Let's bring this, bring the new standard. Let's bring yes. this up. Right. So then a long-term relationship ended that I was in and it was a really good thing at the end of the day because it was extremely toxic. And, you know, I'm not saying that either one of us were innocent in this, but I had a part in this. And when you're in a toxic relationship, you have to stop and realize, you know, the other person may have done things. Yeah that they should never have done. Absolutely. But what were my um, behaviors that I started to learn to survive in that relationship? Mm. Right. And I did, I started to become somebody I wasn't proud of in a relationship. So um, I had to really take some time, pause and reflect on me, heal myself again, and really get in touch with what did I want out of a relationship and what did I want out of a partner? Right. And so, who do I want to be as a partner? Exactly. Because, you know, you have to be and embody that person first before you can attract it on the outside, right? Yeah. And then the last piece to this is I was in so much debt, so much freaking debt. And a lot of it came down to, you know, college loans. Yeah, but it was credit card debt for me. And that was because I made little money as a therapist, number one. Number two, I was so fried that there was nights I didn't want to cook. I couldn't yeah. cook. I couldn't even think about cooking. So I would just, hey, let's just charge it. You know, I'll get to it at some point, right? Versus thinking of my relationship with money and understanding, you know, that it was just another coping mechanism. Just yeah, who, who I am in relationship to money as well yeah. is, the, is the next question. Like, what is my, what is my part in this? Who do I want to be? Right. In relationship with money. So you said at that point, you know, I've, I've read through some of your stuff and I've spoken to you sort of through proxy. We've been in uh, clubhouse rooms together for weeks, you know, for a few weeks now. You, you also said that during this time, because of the debt and because of everything, you ended up living back at your parents' house. So you're back yep. at your parents' house. You're after a big breakup. You're in your 30s at that time. Mid 30s. Mid 30s. Massive debt. Lost your job back at mom and dad's sitting on the floor with a glass of wine, like ugly, WTF, crying. ugly yep. crying. Yep. Ugly crying. And also saying what? Yeah. WTF totally. Because, you know, I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, where did I miss the signs? Where did this go wrong? I don't understand. I really yeah. don't understand. And that became the beginning of the undeniable truth journey. And that's the mm -hmm. name of my podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's because I didn't know who I was anymore. I lost myself somewhere. And I didn't know when I lost myself. I didn't understand because I thought I was doing everything right. And I have that in air quotes right now because I had a master's degree. I was helping other people figure their stuff out. I was trained in all these different types of modalities on how to help people get there. And I was like, but I'm still missing something. And I had already done therapy too prior going back to grad school. So I was like, what the heck am I missing here? You know, there's not one nook and cranny about my childhood that I don't know about and what is it? You know, yeah. so this has been a beautiful journey now. Here I am. What is it? Almost seven years out. And it's been life changing, life transforming. And I don't approach life in the same way. And this is all things that I wished I learned in grad school prior going out into the field because our jobs, you know, being a therapist, our jobs are emotionally taxing. Yeah. And then I worked with the probably some of the hardest populations to work with. And when I say hardest, I mean the most vulnerable populations because there was a lot of trauma and it was a lot of deep work. And so I was holding space quite a bit and I didn't know how to give back to myself. Right. And so what I really learned burnout is burnout can be like compassion fatigue and vicarious trauma too, but it really is, hey, you got to level up your stress management game. That's your yeah. neon sign. 
Yeah. Well, and it's hard to admit that this is what kept me burnt out for so long. Like I was, when I burnt out, I was working with women who were trying to have babies and I was one of their primary care physicians as, as an acupuncturist. So I was, I was responsible for a good 50% of their care. I was the one seeing them week in and week out. They were seeing their doctors once a month, but I was seeing them once, twice a week. And I was the one hearing about all of the background stuff because their doctors didn't have time for that. And because I was so outside of my own sense of worthiness, I felt like I had to fulfill that for them. I knew they needed it. So I'm going to do the acupuncture and I'm going to do all the listening and I'm going to life coach with them. And I'm going to, and when I was breaking down, I didn't acknowledge or accept for a long, long time that my stress management skills could be poor, right? I meditate, I do yoga, in Chinese medicine, you're automatically a stress expert because we study every single way the stress affects the body, mind, body, soul, emotions, food, relationships. I mean, we talk about it all in Chinese Mm -hmm. medicine. So how was I messing this up? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. How was I messing this up? So a, a couple of minutes ago, you said that, you know, the things, the, the things that you learned about stress management are things that you wish you would have been taught in grad school. What's the, when you say that, what's the thing that you're thinking about? Are you thinking about 20 things or is there one thing that pops up and you're like, actually, this is the thing I wish I knew. There's 12 things that I wish I knew. Oh, this is the undeniable truth. Right. Okay. Yep. This is my undeniable truth course, um, which I'm proud of because it's something, you know, I created it in mind of having it be a actual semester course that you can teach at a college as well. And it's also something that anybody can listen to as it's right. It doesn't, you don't have to be in college. You can also be out of college at this point, be out in the field practicing and you're already burnt out or you're fried and you don't know your ass from your elbow anymore. Right. So it's a both and, um, and um, I'll say it this way. What I wished is the science, because when I went to school back then, we didn't talk about the science the way we talk about it now. Okay. And when you say the science, are you talking particularly about neuroscience and trauma, nervous system? Yep. All yeah, of that. Okay. Right. All of that polyvagal theory, right? right. And Which um, half the scientists don't believe. I know you're shaking. She's shaking her head. I'm shaking my head. head. (laughs) I'm a big fan of polyvagal theory, but there are, there's the anatomists are very anti polyvagal theory because they can't find the pathways Hmm. physically. It's it's interesting. You know, it's just interesting on how there's always a spectrum of believers and non-believers about things, right? About anything. Right. It's Mm. right. Exactly. Um, so these 12 things come down to, I wish somebody taught us mindfulness. We weren't even talking about mindfulness too much when I was in grad school, right? right? And so the brain part of it, the mindfulness piece of it, how do you become conscious? How do you understand yourself a little bit more, right? What are some tricks and tools energetically that you can use? Because, you know, when I went to the spiritual side of things, you know, and I walked away from my private practice and I was like, nope, I'm, I'm done here. Talk therapy isn't the answer. I know that loud and clear. And I was disgusted. I was so disenchanted, right? And then I went to the woo-woo side. I learned a lot about energy, right? And that's where yeah. I became the Reiki master. And also I did the meditation and I did essential oils and I became all up about gut health and understanding how food can be medicine. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's this whole other world. And why isn't this combined in mental health? Like, why aren't we learning about this? Yeah, right. They don't believe us, but th- it's changing. It's changing, you know, because like right now I'm, tr- I am getting a certificate for um, the trauma research foundation with yeah. Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Yeah. And it's all there. Like, This is exactly, I'm like, this should have been like a whole freaking year of schooling, right? But it's usually not, it's not taught like this in our school systems. And so, and then it's also about becoming intentional in how to take your power back or even just claim your power. I don't want to say take your power back. It's claiming your power. And it's about really knowing you have power all the time and you don't need to go to therapy for like five years to figure this all out. Okay. 
We have so many, there's just that, that 60 (laughs) seconds could take us the next four hours. So we're going to, we're going to slow this down a second for all the people in the back that are like, wait, 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 what? Because I have had clients who have said to me, I was in therapy for five years. I got more out of these last three months with you than I did out of five years of therapy. And I have a mixed reaction to that. On one hand, of course, I'm thrilled. I know that the work that I do is deeper than what therapists are, are taught to do often. I'm, this, is, this is not a diss on therapists. I love therapists. I think therapy is important. I think talk therapy is massively important for thousands and millions of people all the time. It's just not the only thing. And I told her at that time, it's possible that you wouldn't have been able to do this work with me had you not gone through a certain level of talk therapy. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know. It's not. Here, I'll tell you why real quick. Okay, go, go. (laughs) Because in order for us to get success out of talk therapy, our brains have to be in a calmer state. Our bodies have to be in a calm state, right? Right. And so when you do the body work first, whether it's the yoga, the acupuncture, or you get someone back into their body, back into the present moment, that opens up the brain so that they can start to self-reflect because talk therapy is all about self-reflection. And that's why it takes five years for people that are traumatized or have some kind of stress state that they're in because it's like Groundhog Day. It's 51st states every week when you go back. Like we talked about that. Like, no, that's not what you said or whatnot because somebody was stressed their body was in a stress state. And a lot of people- And the focus is always the brain, is always the mind, is always the thought. Right. That's what um, another another one of my clients said recently that there's this behavior that she would like to shift. And I stopped, you know know how we work. And I stopped (laughs) and I said, well, how does that behavior help you? And she looked at me like, what? (laughs) And I said, well, let's talk about how it's been useful and how it can be useful in the future and how you can make a decision to use it in a better way with more power. You own this behavior. It does not own you. Claim your power around this behavior and use it when it's useful because you wouldn't have repeated it for 40 years if it wasn't useful. Right. You just don't need to use it 24 hours a day. And she stopped and she said, I've had about 12 therapists in my life. Every single one of them has told me, you need to change this pattern or else you're never going to be able to function the way you want. This, this pattern is wrong. You're, this is broken. This is wrong. And I just stopped and I said, no, 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 no. Right. No. Right. What if what you're doing isn't broken? What if maybe you're overusing it sometimes? What if it's a habit instead of intentional? Okay. Okay, so so that's really important to me. But something else that you said I want to jump into again, because this is something that I see with everybody who's burnt out, myself included during my own burnout journey, even though I knew all the bodily wisdom. And this is a conversation I actually had with Maggie um, Supernova. When I she, love her. Yes. We did a free consult one day and, and we were going through something and I said, yeah, but Maggie, there's a difference between knowing something and embodying the wisdom of it. Completely. And that's and usually what happens stopped. with therapists, right? right? <laughs> so you talked about, you just said this and, and I, my, my thought on this is that there are, most of us are like cut off at the neck, right? So yes. we go back, we can go back to polyvagal theory on, on, as a side note, as an adjacent to that. But most of us are cut off at our neck. We're living in our heads. And you're saying in order for us to heal, we have to get back into our bodies. And I am in 1000 million percent agreement with that. But there are people out there saying like, what? So when you say get back into your body and claim your power and, you know, reconnect, what are, what are you in particular talking about? You know, this goes back to our conversation that we had in the burnout club on Clubhouse, right? And I was laughing so hard when you were saying it because it's so friggin' true. And so I'm going to bring back and use your words, okay? Okay. Um, It was when you have your clients totally, totally, totally go break everything down and question everything. So do I really like this kind of jelly on my toast? Do I really like my sandwich cut this way? what would make me happy? (laughs) Like, right. And so 
I'm very in tuned with that. I'm in, in line with that, I should say, aligned with that as well, because one of the things is to trust your body. Your body is your compass, right? And when you listen to the podcast, I have a whole episode on that. Your body is your compass. And when we are working from the head up all the time and we're detached from our body, we are not in tuned with our body. We don't know what our body wants or we learned to bypass it, I should say. We yeah. learned to ignore it, right? Because, you know, I remember in grad school, the rite of passage was you got burnt out in grad school. Yeah. That was rite of passage. You were supposed to have a breakdown. That's how you knew you made it. You had a breakdown. And I'm like, oh, no, we don't need to have breakdowns. We really don't need to lose our minds like that, right? And so I was probably already burnt out. Actually, I know I was burnt out before I went into the field because I took two years off. I moved to San Diego. And I was like done with therapy. I was like, I'm done. Wait, nope, when I'm were ready. you in San Diego? Um, 09 to 2011. Oh, okay. After me. Okay. I didn't, that was where I did my master's program. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So our world just keeps going again. Yeah, yeah I know. Exactly. <laughs> so, so what you said about being in the body is that, and I'm going to, I'm going to expand on your words because yep. I, I, I know what you mean, I think. And if I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me. But I want to take this, I want to take this further because I, I just think that it's so damn important. So when there is trauma, mm -hmm. there are changes to the brain. Correct. And when there are changes to the brain, it's hard for talk therapy alone to be effective. And so you need to engage the body so that so that the nervous system interprets your surroundings as safe so that your brain can then start to heal so that mm -hmm. the neuroplasticity, the regrowth of your cells, the regrowth of your, of your brain cells will happen because you are safe, you are calm, and your nervous system is letting your brain know that it's okay to focus on growth production and, and learning and et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I even go as far as saying, you know, um, like our yoga poses that we can do it sends the message to our brain that we are worthy of taking up space. Mm. Because I think when we get burnt out, we lose our self-confidence. I, I have yet to meet somebody who got burnt out who didn't lose their self-confidence, who yeah. seriously questioned like, like that imposter syndrome. I hate that phrase, but it is what it is. Like, do I even belong doing what I'm doing, right? Yeah. And they're cynical and they start to doubt everything that they do. Yeah, yes. And so- Here's the next trick. So many people with trauma, which we know has an effect on the brain, that trauma lives in their bodies yes. and their bodies are also not a safe space. Right. So how do you balance creating space for people and allowance and, and enough safety so that people can re-enter their bodies and feel safe, right? Because some there's so much trauma that is that is mental, that is um, abuse in the form of of language and, and things like this. But the body, right? That's something different. It's a different animal on some levels, yeah. Right. Um. So my answer is going to come probably like this: when we don't feel safe in our bodies. It's little by little, step by step, right? It's baby steps every step of the way. It's not, you're going to be able to sit still right off the bat and meditate and do an hour of meditation and with complete silence and be like, yeah, I nailed that. No, that takes like, kind of takes years to practice mm -hmm. that, you know? And it's, I think it's always evolving too. I think it's a practice that we'll always have. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I'm going to put it this way. This is why it's so important to have a trauma-informed therapist who is trained in a trauma-informed modality. Because everybody knows now at this point in the game, um, if you are up to date on your research about trauma and how it affects the brain and the body, that we do not need to talk about our trauma because every time we right. keep rehashing our trauma, right, we re-traumatize -tra our body and our brain. So there are trauma modalities now, EMDR, internal family systems, somatic experiencing, just to name three, right? They all have the same understanding of processing it in, through the body brings us to the ability to self-reflect and we don't have to talk outwardly about it. We don't have to keep reliving it, right? And what traditional talk therapy is, you have to talk about it. It's based on outdated research, right? 
and it's not accurate. So to get back into your body, it's slow. It's step-by-step. Sometimes that's why you do need a therapist at this point. If you're struggling that much to be like, if thinking about doing yoga just paralyzes you or the thought of somebody touching you paralyzes you, that's, that's therapy time. That's straight up therapy time. Like go find a trauma-informed therapist because they can help with that because there are body work practitioners out there, right? That's part of somatic experiencing. Yeah. Acupuncture. Exactly. Acupuncture at its finest. Yeah. And, you know, even some Reiki, but yeah, it goes hand in hand, right? But for the most part, I think for when we're talking about burnout here, yeah, right, there's two types of stressed out. I don't know if you've come across this. There's the type of stressed out where people are just constantly overthinking, overthinking, and their brain's going a mile a minute. They can't sit still. They're like, yeah, no, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this, right? Those are the ones that we need to learn how to get them to a calm state and just sit still, Right. And so sometimes that means exercising first before you sit still to get that excess energy out of you, right? Right. And other times in a stressed person, they're so past the point of like thinking quickly that they're so detached, right? They're just blank. They're really just... You can, you can see this in people's faces. So one yes. of the, one of the modalities in Chinese medicine is Chinese face reading. Mm. And you can, see, there's something that we talk about that's called the, the Shen. And the Shen is the sparkle in the eye. It's and gone. you can see it's, it's just gone. People that are burnt out often look like they're on drugs. <laughs> I'm chuckling. Cause I know I did. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know I did <laughs> just, just not there. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so when you have that kind of stressed out where they're past the point, right, that's when you really should be doing activities that re-engage you with the world. So something, um, it can be the yoga piece, right? Because yoga starts opening up that self-reflective part of your brain, right? And then also um, kickboxing, boxing, martial arts, dancing with a partner or just dancing period, but more it's dancing with the partner because then you have to move and you have to be engaged with what you're doing, right? And the more you do that as a routine, meaning it's not just a one-shot deal. I think everybody needs to understand this. When you get burnt out, it's about learning a new lifestyle afterwards, right? You got to have a new lifestyle. And so this is becoming part of a weekly routine. Maybe in the beginning, it's maybe twice a week, but find something that engages your body back into the present moment. And that sends signals up to your brain that, hey, I'm back here in this world. Like we're here for a moment. Okay, we're here. Oh, this is what it looks like. Because ultimately we want to have people understand that it's safe, like how you were saying, that it's safe to take risks and enjoy life. It's safe to enjoy your life. You don't have to stay in the stress state where you're afraid to do anything. Because I know for the longest time, that's where I was. I was so afraid to do anything. I was kept small because I was afraid to do anything. I mean, when I got fired, right? I was afraid to talk after that. I literally was afraid to talk because I was like, what I'm afraid what comes out of my mouth is going to get me in trouble again. When I didn't really in real life, didn't really do anything wrong. I just wasn't a match for that agency and there could have been handled so differently, but it took me a while to get there. So can you imagine my first class teaching as a professor? Do you know what I was like? Oh, I was like, no one's going to know I was a former DJ in the clubs. No one's going to know I'm a Reiki master. No one's going to know anything except that I'm a therapist. No one's going to know anything. I'm going to keep straight to the thing. And you want to know when my students really connected with me in that first semester was at the end when I felt comfortable enough and I joked and I said, yeah, this is DJ Shorty E coming at you. And they were like, what? And you know what? That was when I was like, Erica, it's okay to be you. Yeah. And not only is it okay to be you, but when you are recovering from burnout, you have to be you. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't become a choice anymore. You know, I was, <laughs> exactly. It's no longer it, an option. It's no longer an option. When I first got back to New York, well, got back to the States and, you know, I'm working, my acupuncture practice is in New York city and building a private practice uh, without really a, a community, without mm-hmm. a network is tough. You know, it takes a lot of time. And then, you know, COVID happens and then you you shut down for four months. And it's just been like a a series of trips 
you know, I was just stumbling and I've run successful practices all over the world. So it was, it's been a really complicated thing for me to sort of go through this and be like, why am I sucking at this right now? You know, like, why is this not working? And then I caught myself, I was looking at a job description. This was before COVID. So this was over, you know, over a year ago and I was reading through it and I was like, this place is amazing. And one of the first things that I thought was, I'm going to have to tone myself down there. Oh, oh. And I started to have a conversation with myself about whether or not I could tone myself down. Hmm. And I was like, motherfucker, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I can't do it anymore. No, I can't either. I can't do it anymore. That's why I left teaching. Right. Because I had to tone it down when certain things and I was like, no, I'm ready for this world to be who I I'm ready to be in this world as who I am. And I'm confident enough that I'll be okay if people don't like me and I'll be confident enough that, hey, if people resonate and we have the same energy, fan freaking tastic. Yeah. Well, and it's like, if you are showing up as someone who is outside of who you really are, and then you're getting praise for it. The praise, praise, external praise is really important. It does a lot for your brain. It's important to get praise. It's not the only thing you need to get. You need to have that internal muscle, uh, value muscle, you know, built as well. But external praise matters. But external praise, when you're acting like somebody that you're not, doesn't do anything for you. No, it doesn't. No, except reinforce everything that you're not okay as who you are. Yeah. And this is why this is a a total weird, like side moment right now. But this is why having when you're a brand, why having a good personal stylist really matters. Oh, right. Because you have to be able to wear the clothes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That belong to you. You and and people are afraid because they think, well, I'm going into this corporate environment. I do a lot of corporate work. Right. So I'm going into this corporate environment. I have to look a certain way. Uh-uh. I'm shaking my head. No, no. Uh-uh, right. <laughs> but I need, I'm not the type of person that knows how to break that down. Mm-hmm. So I love personal stylists because they're like, by the way, you can actually wear that. And I'm like, Oh really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So anyway, that was a total side note, but it was just coming up. So another thing that I want to dig into while I have you here. Okay. Oh, I'm getting nervous. (laughs) No, don't. You're going to love it. You're going to love this. It's going to be wonderful. I already know you love this. (laughs) Is to me, one of the things that connects the body and the mind, and this is taught over, you know, my my minor before I went to acupuncture school was Eastern religion. So I did a lot of Eastern religion. I did graduate level courses in meditation as a sophomore and then went and studied acupuncture and Chinese medicine. So we did all the Qigong. I've done yoga since I was 18. I've been in this world for a long, long time. And so the rule is that, yes, we have a mind, a body, and we have a spirit. And the spirit connects our mind and body through the breath. Hmm. You talk a lot about breathing. And you also said a minute ago that sometimes when the body is not a safe place, you have to start really small. I sometimes give people exercises to take three deep breaths twice a day. And they're like, that's all you want me to do. And I'm like, (laughs) yes. Why the obsession with the breath for you? It was personal first, first and foremost. That was my first step to claiming my life. That was it. Bottom line. What, What do you mean by that? Um, At the height of my burnout, my brain was so scattered all the time. Like I was overworking it to the point I was just not healthy. I could talk myself in and out of something so quickly that it was kind of scary, right? And then um, I don't even remember who it was, but someone just said, take a breath. Mm. And I was like, what? (laughs) They're like, just breathe. And then I started to meditate. Mm. And not knowing that I wasn't breathing right, I did like I wasn't even aware of my breath, and so 
in the beginning, just so everybody knows, I was not a meditator at all. Like I am in my mid thirties and I was like, I am not that type of person. Nope. That is not who I am. I can't do that. Mm-mm. And now I'm like, no, everyone has the capability of meditating and sitting still and breathing and being in the moment, every single one of us human beings. So if for whatever reason you don't believe in meditation, I do believe you believe in sitting still and being in the moment and learning how to do that because you know that you feel better and calmer, right? So um, I practiced it. So the beauty of my burnout story, right, is even though I hit that rock bottom, it wasn't the end of me whatsoever. In fact, my next job after I got fired, I opened up my private practice, had a really great thriving private practice, and then I got offered an opportunity to become a program director at another agency, which was another level up from the position that I left or I got fired from, right? And so I was like, you know what, this is my opportunity to try this for me. And I can leave on my own terms this time. I'll look for the signs this time, right? So I was so stressed out in that job because it was a huge undertaking. There was a lot of stuff that had to happen, right? Let me just put it to you this way. I was working almost 10 to 11 hour days. And the minute I walked in that door, I was not at my desk. I I don't even know what half the time my desk looked like, right? Right. And so I did a lot of work at 5 a.m. at my house because I knew the minute I walked in, my time was not my time anymore. So I would go out into the car for 10 minutes and I would just breathe and I would leave my phone in the office, right? And in the beginning, that was so hard because when we get into those stress states or when we have so much responsibility with whatever we're doing, we think we have to be attached to our phones because what happens if somebody needs us? What happens if... So this was a trick that I learned waitressing. I was a waitress for 18 years. (laughs) Another thing. Hi. 12. (laughs) Um. I think it was 18. I know I shouldn't have said it so like solidly. I think it was about 18 years on and off. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, what I learned was when I worked at this five-star restaurant or four-star restaurant, it was a steakhouse seafood restaurant and we would get slammed, but yet we weren't supposed to get slammed, right? You're in the weeds. Yeah. And someone once said, we're not brain surgeons. They're going to be okay. Their life is not in our hands. You'll get to them when you get to them. Mm -hmm. Started thinking that way again. And I was like, I am in an outpatient clinic. If there's true emergencies, everybody knows 911 is the way to go. It's not going to be me. So we're not here, life or death here. I'm okay. Go out in the car and breathe. And so I would sit in the car and I would notice where my breath falls. Right. And it would either be most of the time when I first got in the car, it was like at the top of my lungs because I was like, <sighs> like, right. And then barely I'm, making it to the base of your throat. <laughs> yeah, barely. And then by the time I left the car, I was down at the bottom. Right. And you know what else I realized? I was exhausted. Yeah. When I got that relaxed, I was like, oh my God, I could fall asleep now. And then I would have to go inside and have coffee. <laughs> So <laughs> defeated the whole purpose, but at the same time, it didn't, time, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't because at the same time, I was going to say it this way. I became so aware of my breath, yeah. practicing this day in and day out, and then going to weekly meditation classes where I was forced to sit still for 60 minutes. Even if my brain wouldn't shut up yet, I was forcing my body to sit still. And it was a, it was hard. It was really hard, yeah. but I got it. Cause I'm one of those people that I'm going to get this. Um, It was also the same thing that led me to know that I was no longer in this space where I wanted to be in this type of environment of go, go, go. And so knowing my breath is what helped me become in tuned with my body so that I could listen to it, so that I can make decisions that were aligned with me versus my mind trying to dictate what I was supposed to be doing. What I was supposed to be doing, what I should be doing, what I must do, what I need to perform, all of the brain-based. Right language. Right. Because, um, you know, like when I gave my resignation, Mm -hmm. so this was a huge undertaking, this job that I had, I had to totally transform it and I revamped it completely. And, um, the executive director said, are you really leaving? And I was like, "Mm -hmm." Mm -hmm. he goes, you've been here for nine months working your tail off. You succeeded at what you wanted to do. You have this place running well, And you're going to leave now? You're not even going to reap the benefits. And I said, no, see, my part of the journey is over. I just needed to know I could do this. And now I'm seeing the writing on the wall. I need to leave. And you're in good hands now. I can do this. It doesn't mean I should or want to or feel good while I do it. Exactly. Old Erica 
before that Mac dump truck would have stayed because, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe I should be there. You yeah. know, never mind that my body was screaming, stop, stop. Yeah. yeah. When I was first leaving the fertility clinic that I worked at in Poland um, and starting and opening my first private practice, the owner, when I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm, yeah. I got a clinic particularly very close by. So because I was doing before and after um, IVF treatments yeah. with acupuncture, I said, so I'm, I'm really close. I'm right down the street. It won't be problematic for people. Of course, it's not as easy as them walking upstairs, but I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not far. And I did right. that on purpose so that I could continue to support your people. And he looked at me and said, are you going to make it on your own? Oh, yeah. Right. Are you going to make it on your, like, are you sure? Are you going to make it? <laughs> I opened a business and recouped all of my money within the first month. I am yeah. raising my hands over here. Like Rocky. Yes. Right. Yes. Like, yeah. But that was also part of the, you know, I already felt unworthy. I was already overgiving. And right. that sort of extra message gave me this like, yes, I will be successful. God damn it. <laughs> you know, what's interesting hearing your story is that, you know, first of all, I learned something in grad school about you don't believe your thoughts. You right. can't always trust your thoughts. Right. And when I first heard that, I, I laughed hard and I said, what do you mean? You're joking, right? because that's how I survived. That's my trauma response is I've learned how to think my way out, rationalize mm -hmm. my way out, mm -hmm. right? And find mm -hmm. loopholes. I mm -hmm. should have been a lawyer. I'm going to be mm -hmm. honest. And so <laughs> and then um, when I realized that it was about being in the body, my brain shuts up, right? Yeah. And that's what the importance of the breathing is, right? So I I told you the personal part, the science part is this, right? When you are able to do a breathing exercise, you know, inhale your mouth. I mean, inhale through your nose for four counts, hold for seven, exhale out for eight, the four, seven, eight technique, yeah. right? That trips up our nervous system and gets it back into a calmer state. It moves you out of whatever state you're in and brings you back to the calm state, the rest and digest. So you think clearly, this is where we want to be engaged. We're no longer looking for protection. We're actually looking for connection, right? And we just see things so much clearer, right? And if you go to the spiritual side, that's when your third eye opens, right? And this is attached to the third eye piece, right? So the more I learned how to breathe and get into that space, the more you're able to really see what's going to happen for you. And you no longer have to prove yourself. Right. I was that person that needed to prove people wrong because, yeah, right? And so I talked to the ex, um, the executive director probably a year after I had left. And he said, so how's that woo-woo thing going for you? <laughs> I was like, fantastic. Thanks really for great, asking. to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have stress anymore. You know, I had a different kind of stress, yeah. but it wasn't paralyzing or overwhelming. I think this is another great point for us to talk about is stress gets a bad rap. Mm, I just made a post about that this week. Oh, look mm -hmm. at that. Yeah. Stress mm -hmm. is good. Yeah. Stress is good. Our body needs stress. I mean, that's what gets us up in the morning, right? Yes. That's what makes us focus, right? In order for us to focus, we need a flush of adrenaline to the brain. Yeah. I mean, this is what's making me talk right now on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's when we get stuck in those stress states that it becomes bad. That's when the physical illness manifests or the mental health issues start to manifest as well. And so I think if we can just spread that word you know, like how we're doing, keep talking about it. It's about navigating your stress and understanding that the more you practice this breathing and sit, sitting still, you rewire your brain, you get new neural pathways and you start to handle stress differently. If you practice this consistently day in and day out, right? I can't yeah. stress that enough either. Yeah. And you'll learn how to handle stress differently. You'll have a bigger window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. um, and then forgive me, I don't remember who came up with that phrase window of tolerance, but that is not my phrase. I'll have to give you the information on that. Um, but the more window of tolerance you have, the more you're able to be in the moment and get things done. You'll see things and you'll say no to things because when we people please, or when we, it doesn't matter what you've been through, like get that out of yeah. your head for a moment. When we people please, it means you're in a stressed state. You're not in a calm state because yeah. when you're truly aligned and at one, yeah, you, and have, you think you're calm. Right. You think that 
pleasing other people soothes you. So therefore it keeps you calm. Right. But But you just said something a minute ago that I wrote down that when you're in a stressed state, you're looking for protection. And when you're in a calm state, you're looking for connection. Now, this is true in the very sort of metaphorical way that you said it's also true for the brain, literally physically for the brain, that your brain will search for protection or connection depending on what state it's in. But people pleasing is protection. Correct. Because you don't want to deal with the wrath or you don't want to feel what's going to happen. Right. Yep. We talked about a lot. I know. And I feel like, honestly, I, I kind of tried to keep it going because there's so many things that I'd like to talk about with you, but there are so many more things and so many more levels to what yes. we've already started to say. <laughs> so this is a very surface, um, maybe not yeah. very surface, but a fairly surface conversation for the knowledge that I know that you have and are able to share. So, but I, I do and have loved it. I noticed that on your podcast, you wrap up with a breathing exercise usually. Yes. yes. And I wish I could take credit for that idea, but I cannot take credit for that. Um, my podcast guy, his name is Justin. And Justin met me through this mastermind that we did together, right? And he knew what I was about. He knew that I was into all of this. And he said, let's let's transform the way podcasts are done. Let's end with a freaking breathing exercise or meditation for each episode. And I was like, what? No, that's my typical response. Usually first thing is no. And then I got to sit on it, marinate. And I'm like, oh, let's try it. Let's try it. And you know what? It's been probably one of the best things I've done because that's what everyone comments on. Honestly, everyone's like, it's your breathing exercises. I know. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with it. So <laughs> what I want to invite you to do now is to share information about your course, places that people can find you, if they want information, all of the, all of that stuff. And then if you could lead us into a breathing exercise, we will let that slide us out on Friday the burnout podcast today too, because I think it's amazing. Oh, look at you. Okay. Um, so everyone can find me. I have a website, theburnoutprofessor.com. And you can find out about the audio course through the website that should be launching within the next month. So if you go there, um, by the time I think this podcast yeah. airs, it will be live on my website. So keep your fingers crossed. Everything goes <laughs> according to plan. <laughs> um You'll also find the podcast through the website as well, but you can also find the Undeniable Truth podcast. It's actually hashtag Undeniable Truth podcast, and that is on Spotify, iTunes, you know, wherever you find your Make podcast. sure you put the hashtag. Yes, you have to if put that If you put the hashtag. the hashtag, you will find it for sure. <laughs> so, um, and then I also have um, Clubhouse. If you're on Clubhouse, come and find me. It's the Burnout Prof, P-R-O-F. Um, or you can just join the burnout club. Um, I am, there's a lot of burnout clubs, but I am the biggest burnout club there is on Clubhouse. So I'm proud of that. And then also you can find me on any social media, um, meaning LinkedIn is the burnout professor. And so is Instagram is the burnout professor along with Facebook, but Twitter is the burnout prof, P-R-O-F. So I think I told you how you can get in touch with me at this point. <laughs> and all of those things, as per usual, will be in the show notes and packaged beautifully and easy for you to find and clickable and all of that. Yes. Thank you. All righty. So I think we should just get into that breathing exercise. And to do this, there is nothing for you to do in this moment. All you need to do is listen to my voice, get calm as much as you can, find a space where you can just sit and just be. And I joke in my own podcast and say, if you're driving, don't do this now, come back to this. So as you take some nice breaths, and I'm just saying breath, I'm not asking you to deep breathe yet, but I want you to become aware of your breath in this moment. Just sitting here, breathing in through your nose and exhaling out through the mouth. And as you start to feel your body relax, I want you to start to take a nice deep breath in through your nose for four counts. Hold. 
And now I want you to exhale out through the mouth, just blowing out anything that no longer serves your highest and best. The next time you take a nice deep breath in, I want you to imagine peace is entering in through your body. And it's just traveling through every cell, muscle by muscle, even cell by cell. And you're starting to feel your body relax even more. Continue imagining that peace is entering into your body with each deep breath through the nose. You're holding your breath for four counts. And then on your exhale, just again, imagine anything that is no longer serving your highest and best is leaving your body. All the stress, all the worries, the concerns, things that are out of your control, let it out. So that all that is left inside of your body is the peace and the things that serve your highest and best, better than you could ever imagine in this present moment. I want you to place one hand on your heart, one hand on your stomach, and imagine this is you inserting the love that your body's looking for, wanting, needing. And you feel that love start to go directly right to your heart space, expanding. And you're feeling in your stomach how it starts to settle. And it's expanding with that love and compassion and empathy. For you. For this is your time. For you. Just take a couple more nice deep breaths. And when you're ready, go ahead and open your eyes and welcome back. Wow. That was delicious. Good. It felt good for me too, even though I couldn't really do it. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. All right, fried fans, we're signing off on that note. We hope you enjoyed that and we'll see you next week.